0: Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. Globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This. this
1: is Emerge Dynamics. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I'm David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerder. Hi, David. Glad to be back. Absolutely. The show goes on. The show goes. It must. <laughs> it must. As we talk about growing your business through a downturn. Ooh, yeah. We've yeah. done a series on this. Last episode, we talked about preserving cash to make sure you can get through the growth. Before that, we talked about some more, I guess, economic or economy related things, having to do with how do you know if a downturn's coming, what might be contributing to it, what industries might do well, might not do well in a downturn. Now we're going to get a bit more tactical where we talk about some actions. But it's important not to just jump into this episode without listening to the others, because setting the stage is important to really understanding what might be going on? What are the dynamics to help us understand what we don't want to do? Because we're going to talk about acquisitions today. To just blindly do an acquisition into an industry that usually falls deeply in a downturn could be a big problem. Yep. Not that no acquisition should happen in those types of industries. We just don't do them blindly. Understand what you're doing. So, Eric, we're going to talk about that today. And
0: I know, David, we did a podcast earlier on in 2022 of something similar to this, but I think... The current situation, I think, brings this out right. to the fore even more. So looking forward to chatting. On I think this that
1: one. last episode, we had the title of, Is Now yeah.
0: the Time to Buy a yeah. Competitor? Yeah.
1: Today, I don't know that we're ready to say, now is the time, but it sure looks like, as we said in the beginning of this series, there's a lot lined up here that look like a downturn's coming. When mainstream media starts talking about a recession is coming, it's probably it's, coming. It's, our, it's already here. It's right. You're probably already in it by yeah. the time they acknowledge it. We could be wrong. Everything could change tomorrow. We hope it does. But given that if it does turn out that we're in a downturn and things continue to get worse, as we gave some snippets of the last couple episodes, then we could say this sometimes is very difficult to do organic growth in a downturn, it's
0: possible. Um, no, because a lot of times, we're, as we said on the last episode, it might be where now you're starting to stagnate a little bit or actually be struggling to even maintain organically during right. a downturn period of time. And that's very, very common. Organic growth or just organic sustainability can be a challenge in a town like this. Absolutely.
1: And I think you may think too, if you're the business that has been more focused on strategy, has been more focused on building your culture and your team, has a team that is laser focused on competitive advantage and speaks the language every day about, we're not here to have a job, we're here to accomplish a mission. And that mission is related to how we best serve our customers and make their lives better off. We exist to make their lives better off. If you're doing that better than other people in your industry, which you probably are because it's rare to see businesses like that you're better equipped than most of the other people in your industry to thrive through this recession. And you can start buying the other businesses in your industry. Not that we do this to exploit them, kick them when they're down, but you may actually be saving them, saving the employees and the owners of those businesses from an even worse future, worse next chapter, had you not jumped in. agree. So Eric, maybe we can have this conversation too, around people might be saying, guys, you're nuts. Like, let's say- there's an acquisition purchase price is $5 million. And it's a downturn. Revenue's down. I'm struggling to collect. Where's $5 million coming from? How do we do this?
0: Well, I think it first starts with if you see an opportunity out there and there's a target. One, are they interested? Are they in a position where they want to sell? A lot of people, I mean, if we're advising people on when to sell, out a downturn is not when we're advising mm-hmm. them to sell, typically. Because valuations are typically down and the whole process, you're not going to get the best bang for your buck, the best dollar. However, from a seller's perspective, this may be, I don't have any other choice or have limited choices. And so, yeah, I'm going to look at that. Knowing who your target is and then really doing a good evaluation of that Mm -hmm. target and what you should be paying or setting from a value standpoint is very, very important. Not that it's not important when you're doing it at other times, but in a downturn, there's even greater risk. And so you want to be even that much critical on what's the value that you're placing on the business and how you're going about doing it. Once you've got that done and you're at a point where it looks like we might be agreeable on evaluation, the next step is well, how are we going to pay for this? If you were being disciplined and you've started to build some excess cash or you have some availability or you have a le- leverage in your business because You haven't levered up yourself. You've been very disciplined. You've run your business very, very well. You might have the capacity to borrow. Of course, there's some risk in doing that borrowing. Or oftentimes, even more so in a downturn, you've got sellers who are willing to take a seller note. They'll finance it. They'll finance it. Right. They'll say, well, you know what? I don't have a whole lot of choices here, not only on the valuation, but also on the way that I'm going to get paid. So I'll sell or finance that. And for them, that might even be a very good deal. The interest charge on that is like income to them. They've got some cash flows coming in as the payments are coming in that they're not having to manage that in that business necessarily to get those cash flows. And they're struggling with those cash flows. It's a benefit to them personally as a business owner. So Definitely looking at owner financing during this time is probably Uh, a big uh, opportunity. I'm so glad you
1: brought that up, Eric, because a seller note is a wonderful financial instrument. I think it's very misunderstood among entrepreneurs in lower middle market, small company area, but it is fantastic. And yes, I would say of the last several transactions, M&A transactions that I've been involved with or been aware of, I don't know that I can think of any where the buyer had to put any cash down. At the most, maybe I'm thinking one or two examples where the buyer put maybe 10% down. And through a combination of bank financing, pulling from a line of credit and using the seller's assets as collateral for that line of credit and seller note, it's little to no cash down. So definitely a message we should leave out of this episode for people is that if you have an amazing company But you don't have $2 million or a $1 million sitting in a bank account somewhere. That doesn't mean you can't Can't grow by acquisition. You very much can. In fact, it happens often without someone having that $1 million sitting in a bank account. So let's talk about the dynamics of a seller note because I think people don't understand. A lot of sellers at first are very resistant to this. I want cash. I want all my cash on day one. I don't want it over time. Well, turns out seller notes are often better for sellers than the cash. Can be, absolutely. It can be because the interest rate on these things. So if you think about, I would say as of pre-22, 2022, rates we were seeing on seller notes were probably 8 to 10%. Mm-hmm. Today, they're higher because today bank loans are 7% to 8%. Today, 13%, 14%, 15% is not crazy to see for a seller note. So think about it, if you're a seller and the buyer owes you a million dollars. Let's make it bigger. Let's make it five million dollars. They give you five million dollars. If you get five million dollars in your bank account today, what are you going to do with that money? Now, maybe there's a five million dollar yacht you've had your eyes on. You're immediately going to buy it, and then you're going to spend all the money right now. Probably, though, that's not the way to go. The five million is a lot of money. You can have a comfortable life for the rest of your life. You can also be, hopefully, using this money to help others do some impact investing or other projects, right, in combination with this. But you need to park this money somewhere and where in the world are you gonna put it where you're gonna get a 13% low risk return? As the seller of the business, you know the risk of that business better than everyone else. In fact, sometimes if I'm talking to a buyer, I often will say, if the seller is not willing to do any seller financing no matter what, sometimes that's a red flag. Are we walking into a landmine that we don't know right, about. Right. Because if they're so confident that this business is so strong and you're going to get such good cash <laughs> flow in the future, why are they not willing to take a little bit of risk with them in the future? So it can be a great instrument to give sellers a good return on a business and an investment they don't have to do any diligence on because they already know the business. They yeah. own it, they've been owning it. Whereas a new investor would have to do a monster amount of diligence. They get a good return better than they get anywhere else for buyers. It's a risk reduction mechanism right. because the seller being okay with the seller or no tells the buyer, hey, I'm confident you're going to have future cash flow. I'm
0: so confident I'll leave some of my money parked in this thing. Right. I, as you were talking, I was thinking about delayed gratification a little bit. And I think oftentimes as sellers, we have that mentality. Of, I want all my money up front because I want to do what I want to do with the money and everything else like that. And I'm always a proponent of delayed gratification personally for a lot of reasons and disciplining ourselves and what have you. But in this circumstance and with the downturn, sometimes it's a forced delay gratification, Mm -hmm. if you will. And that's not a bad thing. It really isn't. Because oftentimes I've seen sellers that get a nice chunk from a deal and then are not disciplined in it. And they don't do the things that allow for long-term sustainability of that. And so sometimes just having that Discipline placed upon you can be a benefit to you. And I'm not saying that that's more of a personal side of things, but it is something that can happen. And that's not a bad thing is to have that forced upon you. And then sometimes in this environment, in the downturn, and everything, there might not be any other option because the buyers are looking at it and saying, This is the only way we can get this deal done. I don't have the excess cash. The banks were limited on how much right. we can borrow on the bank side of things. So You want to do the deal and this is good for you. That's great. But this is how we're going to have to do it. Absolutely.
1: And then let's talk about some other transaction mechanics, Eric, just to give people some practical tips. If you're dealing with a seller in a downturn, if they have a bank, which most companies do, it may be the case, depending on where they are right now economically, it may be the case that they're in default with the bank, in which case the bank is going to control the negotiation a good amount. And so this right. can become tricky because you don't always know who you're negotiating with. <laughs> you may be talking to the owner of the business, but in reality, you're talking to somebody who can't pull all the strings anymore. And so it becomes very important to also understand who their bank is, who their lender is, where are they with this? What will they accept? And make sure you're negotiating
0: with a party who can actually make a decision. That's an excellent point. And from two sides, both from who's really running the ultimate decision and how would the structure of a deal need to come in? How much cash is needed up front to maybe pay off those debts? Because typically, David, we do evaluation from the standpoint of what's the total value of the company. We look at that as on a debt-free, cash-free basis. And it's up to the owner of the business or the seller yeah. to then take care of that. In some of these distress times, it's the bank, it's the lenders that... Might be saying, hold on a second. No, 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 you're going to deal with me. And some of these payments are going to actually come directly to me. You're not going to go to the owner. And so those are just some nuances, technical nuances, and everything that need to get ironed out in a deal during this time.
1: That's an important point to think about as far as arriving at a purchase price with the seller. Just because some math model says the value is X, there may be the case, especially in a distressed situation, where the seller. Can't accept X It could be because of their bank, and so I think even more than you know a traditional acquisition process would be you do diligence, you do run evaluation, you submit a letter of intent an LOI or some kind of offer some, something right. Yeah, yeah. Here's what we think a range your business would be worth, and the buyer can say either you've insulted me greatly, get out of here, or <laughs> we're playing ball, or wow, I can't believe you'd pay that money. You know, so I think even more in a downturn is so critical to work with the seller, build that relationship, learn all the dynamics and arrive at with them, what is a reasonable price here? You shoot over an LOI with a number and they just say, oh, okay, the odds are even lower than normal that they would accept that in that kind of environment, right? So say, what's going on? What do you need? How does it all work? And then you can always say, this isn't for us, we're out or okay, let's figure out a path together. That usually gets you closer to the finish line faster in a more orderly way. So, awesome. All right. So hopefully, folks, we've left you with some good tips here for helping you grow through a downturn. Hopefully, you consider acquisition as one of the paths. It's going to be exciting, fun way to do it that can really help others and you. It's our goal to make sure we leave you with more value than the time you invested in listening to us. <laughs> our jokes are not that good. No, no, they're, so really, they're really We need to bad. give you some business advice yeah. in order to make it worth your time. To stay with us, please tell your friends, please subscribe, please let us know at com what else you'd like us to talk about. We're looking forward to seeing you next time.